Hello, and welcome to the Dive In Movie Cast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And this week, we're joined for the first time by Joe Peltzer from Guy at the Movies. Uh, we've done many a podcast over the years, but I don't think we've actually ever had the chance of having you on the Dive In. So, Joe, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to finally sit down and chat. I know. I feel like we've been trying to make this work for, for too long now, and so I'm glad that we finally actually found the time to, to sit down and talk about some movies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, for listeners unfamiliar with Guy at the Movies, maybe you could tell them a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what Guy at the Movies is. Yeah, absolutely. So Guy at the Movies is just an outlet for the latest movies that are hitting theaters or streaming or wherever we're getting our movies. Uh, Quibi, if that's still around now. Um, uh, but we started five years ago and uh, built out the Guy at the Movies podcast with Sean of Math Teacher Movies. So we're just hitting episode 171, uh, which just came out this week. Uh, and uh, GuyAtTheMovies.com is a bustling uh, location for all the latest reviews, anything from you know what's hitting theaters to also what's at the festivals. So recently, um, we've been covering Sundance. There's a number of great writers that contribute to the site. Uh, you can get anything from the latest comic releases to the latest trailers uh, and a whole lot more there. So um, just built from movie lovers. And I think that's what's a lot of fun about the, the outlet. Uh, and uh, Instagram has always been the hub. So if you want to find anything about Guy at the Movies, just find me on Instagram and you'll you'll find all the connections there. Nice. Yeah. And the website's been growing very quickly, I've noticed, because yeah. I've, I've kind of been following it for a few years now. And I've noticed recently you've had a lot more writers starting to join you and contribute some more to the website as well. Yeah, we're definitely trying to find, you know, our angle. Uh, and it's not, you know, the most like professional like deadline, but it's more, I guess, I don't want to even want to say fan driven, but it's more kind of from the ground up. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun to to develop and bring some awesome people on. Um, a lot of great contributors all across the board. So if you're if you're interested in following any of them, just check out guyatthemovies.com and you'll see a listing of all the contributors. Um, and maybe we'll get you guys in contributing at some point too. Would love to. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, this week we're going to, we're going to be discussing the wide world of movies that we have ahead of us this year. And, you know, we were, we were just chatting a little bit before and we were talking about if we're optimistic towards this movie year, if we're pessimistic towards this movie year. Um, and I guess like Wesley, you, you could, you can start here. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're dealing with the fallout of the actors and writers strike, which I think has put them the year as a moviegoer in a very compromising and weird, weird place. So I wanted to get your guys' both your thoughts on that a little bit. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting year. I was preparing for this episode and looking at uh, all the movies that were coming out, and I was like, wow, it's it's uh, looking a little thin here uh, for movies that I'm personally am excited about. But um, still, we've definitely got some uh, great movies coming out, and it'll just be interesting to see. I was We were talking about how... Uh, it's, there's so many movies that just kind of got that just disappeared off the map or uh, a lot of uh, companies just didn't get the chance to be making movies during this actor strike. And so uh, my small fear is that some of these movies uh, got rushed in order to be pushed out this season or that uh, some of them just didn't get the chance to uh, have time to get perfected or get work done really well. And so I have a slight fear that maybe... Um, some of these movies will suffer a little bit because of that, but I have high hopes that some of them will still be uh, really good and we'll still have the chance to um, see some great actors and great movies uh, coming out this year. Yeah, well said. Uh, Wesley, you had texted me 
when you were when we were making this list, and he just said, "Oh no," was all was, was, was all <laughs> I, was I like, said. Yikes! It was like yeah. uh, it's it's looking bleak. But Joe, what what are your thoughts on the uh, the upcoming movie year? You know, it's funny. I'm thinking back or thinking about the fact that we're in Oscar season, right? And the nominations just came out, and I'm thinking now in terms of 2024, what next year will look like for the Oscars. And looking at this list. I don't know. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a few things that I could see like making runs and I'm sure there'll be other things that are dated and are surprises down the road, but this is very much a year of going back and mining the same IP over and over again. Mm-hmm. We're getting a ton of sequels. You know, we talked offline about Marvel and you have Deadpool three, but you have things like, you know, the strangers chapter one. So they're going back to that story and kind of redoing it. Um, you have ballerina from John wick. You have the Garfield movie, because no. <laughs> everyone wants another damn Garfield movie. Even better uh, when Chris Pratt is the one voicing him, because right. sure. Because that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but you have like Bad Boys 4, you have Furiosa, you have Saul 11, you have, you know, Dune Part 2 is the outlier there because it's, you know, we're all excited for it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not a ton of original stuff that I'm really excited for. I think there's blockbusters that I'm, you know, looking forward to being popcorn flicks. Um, and we'll talk about a few of them. But in terms of like the ones that I'm really intrigued by, there's they're few and far between this year. And that's a little depressing. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, when I hadn't thought about it until you just brought that up, which is like it's going to be a very scary Oscars year next year. <laughs> yeah, um, I think we're kind of rooting for a lot of film festival movies to kind of but in there a lot of those wouldn't have the release dates announced. So what we're currently looking at is a lot of blockbuster IP stuff. Um, and I'm hoping throughout the year we're going to see a little bit more of you know, movies that kind of just randomly pop up and, and become big conversation pieces. Uh, Hitman with Glenn Powell, directed by Richard Linklater, is one that I think maybe we'll talk about a little bit. And that's, that's I think, what we're, what we're looking at is, like, a lot of IP and then some hidden gems in there amongst, like, stuff that premiered at film festivals, you know, last year or is currently pre- premiering at film festivals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I totally agree with you, Joe, that it's it's definitely a year of, like, sequels or like bringing back old ips and that kind of stuff one of them that i was really surprised by seeing was that they're doing a a wicked adaptation to put to film and it's like it's it's a iconic broadway play that is still being shown at broadway so it's just kind of weird to see that pop up somewhere like that too but yeah and the thing with Wicked, too, that's interesting that you bring that up is it's been in the works for years. There's been so many stops and starts, and I think it's John M. Chu that's doing it. And he really is just, I think they finally turned to him after the critical success of In the Heights, even though it didn't do that well in the box office. And I'm forgetting the other one he did. Um, uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy, well, yeah, Crazy Rich Asians. But I thought there was another musical, but I may be, may be wrong on that. Um but they're also splitting that into two parts, which mm-hmm. is a whole other like podcast topic in and of itself. Oh, I hate that. Um, oh, me too. I, it's bad. I, that's going to be a challenge. And um, I don't know. Uh, Ariana Grande can only do so much. <laughs> what's, what's even worse, too, is the part one and part two thing is starting to scare away moviegoers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like just the other day, the Mission Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one, they dropped the part one from the title on streaming services and on DVD and Blu-ray. So now that movie is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, and this next one is going to have a new name because they realize people are terrified of the commitment of, like, part one and come back to the theater in a year and a half, two years for part two. I can't wait for Mission Impossible Dead or Reckoning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the Wicked thing is is interesting, though, because that's a movie that 
I'm hopeful for, but I, I do think we'll learn a lot more about the landscape in the box office when, when that drops because of the, the whole part one, part two debate, which yeah. you're right, is, is a much bigger can of worms. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a lot of a lot of legs, I think. Like there's, I mean, that, that musical has so much behind it, so many people behind it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and people absolutely adore it. That's why it's doing so well still 20 years later on Broadway. Uh, but I just, I wonder like how they're going to, sp- well, I, we know where they're going to split it. They're going to split it at the end of act one with like defying gravity. But mm-hmm. then like, what do you do in the next act, like the next film? Because the second act of any Broadway show is always, you know, downhill. So exactly. It's the resolution of all those things. And so I feel like people are going to get left with so much like, uh, excitement with that first one. And then the second one's just going to be like, okay, let's wrap the rest of it up. You exactly. So it'll be, exactly. it'll be interesting. Maybe they'll spice it up a little bit who knows but yeah um listen if you can make les mis into one movie i think you can make wicked into one movie i yeah. don't i don't see much of a reason for that to be to be split there i, I was saying i was saying too is it's kind of funny because you can essentially uh watch wicked on broadway and it's even shorter than uh <laughs> us watching part one waiting two years and then getting part two right so, yeah i don't know we'll see all right shall we shall we get into some of the movies that we're going to be seeing this year yeah let's do it I have a giant list made, so what we're probably going to do, I think, is best to talk about them is just go one movie at a time, give the plot, give our anticipation for it, if we're excited for it, if we're not, uh, and and then continue down the list. Okay, the first movie I have written down here is Deadpool 3. Um, No plot details aside from Hugh Jackman's returning as Wolverine, and it's a buddy cop style adventure between the two of them. What people have been thinking this is, is like Deadpool kills the Fox universe. Um, based on what I've seen online, and there's rumors that Jennifer Garner's going to pop up as Elektra. So I'm all in for this because of the idea of seeing Hugh Jackman as Wolverine one more time. And, you know, comic fans are freaking out because everyone's wanted to see Deadpool and Wolverine on the screen together for, for a very long, long time. But do we think this movie's going to be any good? Joe, we can, we can start with you. Uh, listen, the first two are a lot of fun, so uh, they already have that going for them. I'm I trust Ryan Reynolds in a weird way. I think he mm-hmm. gets what fans want and is really good at delivering that. Uh, so I'm excited. I love Hugh Jackman, by the way. So Hugh Jackman could do he could punch me in the face, and I'd like <laughs> applaud him. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for that. That was great. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to it. I love all the rumors that are going around. I do believe the rumor of it's like Deadpool kills the Fox universe, but. I also would love to see them utilize this as a course correction for stuff that's happening. You know, whether that's the Kang stuff and the, how they're going to figure that out, whether what, wouldn't it be wild if we suddenly got fantastic four introduced like oddly in Deadpool three. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I like, I would just like to see it be more than just an outside, like fun romp with old characters. Halle bear, uh, bear, Halle Berry, the fact that they have Halle Bailey too, that she's out there, like that just ruins me when I try to say one of their names. <laughs> right. Um, but Halle Berry, like with her probably coming back as Storm, there's rumors of uh, James Marsden coming back as Cyclops. Taylor Swift might be in this as uh, yeah, a what's character. Up with, what's up with that? I saw that and I was like, oh, sure. Yeah, it's just wild. So I think it's, you know, we always talk about fan service as, you know, like what's too much fan service. I think Deadpool gets away with it no matter how much fan service they do. So I'm looking forward to it because it's just going to be a fun time regardless. Agreed. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I mean, this is Marvel's only release this year aside from uh, the, the Sony ones. Uh, so I'm, I'm on board and I, I hope they know what they're doing. Yeah. I totally agree with you, Joe, where I weirdly trust Ryan Reynolds with this. Like <laughs> I just saw he made a Instagram post about how they wrapped filming 
Um, and like, he seems genuinely like he cares a lot about the project. So, I mean, when I wrote down notes for this movie, I said, who doesn't like Deadpool? Yeah. Like, I'm sure this movie's going to be great regardless of what rumors or whatever it actually ends up being. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree where I hope it's a little bit of course correction for them, that they take this opportunity where they can get away with having every single superhero or whoever they want in these movies and uh, just kind of be a little absurd because that's who Deadpool is uh, as an opportunity for them to be able to really course correct or even just like um, fix some of their interesting random throwouts of like, like you said, the Fantastic Four or just mm -hmm. like throwing that little X-Men thing in there at the end of Marvels or like stuff like that where they can really just look at those things and be like, okay, well, let's actually use this. Let's uh, course correct a bit to maybe hopefully – uh, bring some of those iconic IPs truly into uh, the MCU, like everyone's hoping. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it, honestly. Yeah. Like I, you know, I think back to like the fun of No Way Home, right? Like when everyone like freaked out, and like we knew it was coming. It was the worst kept secret. But then I think to how like think about the movie Free Guy, right? Remember when uh, Chris Evans pops up on screen just mm -hmm. for a split second? Like that was perfect, and that was nobody knew that was coming. And that was wonderful. Like, I feel like there's a lot that we know, but there's an equal amount that we don't know about, like, right. who's going to be in this? What's the course of action here? Uh, and that excites me. Agreed. I think they've done a pretty good job keeping their secrets with this one. You know, like the fact that the biggest rumor we have out, out there is Taylor Swift might be in it like that. That says a lot about what actually is is being kept beneath the surface. I was listening to a podcast and they they mentioned that they know a Marvel insider and somebody who is is involved with Marvel and they they're talking about the fact that they think this is their next no way home like that, that this is a big draw the people to the theater asses and seats type movie that is going yeah. to have everybody freaking out and cheering and excited and like you guys said too like the idea that this movie isn't just a random little marvel movie like i think people are shrugging it off because it's deadpool and they think it's just gonna be a fun time but they really could do some some groundwork for what we're what we're going to have coming up in the next couple of years of Marvel and also realize their mistakes and dial it back a little bit and be like, okay, kill this thread because that wasn't working. Um, so I, I'm pretty excited for this movie and it is really high up in my in my anticipation list. Yeah, same here. All right. Next movie is Abigail. The film focuses on a group of kidnappers who capture and must watch over the daughter of the most powerful underworld figure for the 50 for a 50 million dollar ransom until they get more what they bargain for when abigail reveals her true nature as a vampire child hunting them down one by one uh i have i have two words for you radio silence yep <laughs> that is enough to get me there and extremely excited for this movie um especially after the tragedy of what has happened with with their scream franchise and the way that that's kind of fallen apart i just i want to see their new movies i want to be there and, and support whatever they're doing and uh, I, I love their collaboration that they have going on with Melissa Barrera. Joe, how, I know that you had mentioned in particular that you're really excited for Abigail. For the same reasons. I love Radio Silence. Uh, I love, I, I like what they did with Scream. I loved Ready or Not. That was such a unique, you know, film and exciting film. The way they did it, it kind of flipped, I think, expectations on its head and took a, a premise that could be stale very quickly or become stale very quickly and uh, saw it through to the end. Uh, you have Melissa Barrera, you have Dan Stevens, you have Giancarlo Esposito, Angus Cloud in his last performance, Catherine Newton. Uh, it's a ridiculous premise, and I feel like these guys know what to do with that. So I'm I'm pumped. Yeah. 
Wesley, have yeah. you checked out this one, the trailer for this? I have seen the trailer for this. I I totally agree that it's it's a it kind of sounds like a ridiculous premise, but it's those kind of movies that I'm so here for. <laughs> yes. Like like just to have a vampire kid murdering these people one by one, I'm down. Uh, that sounds insane, but also so cool and such a. I think if it's pulled off well, such like a um, interesting and fun kind of horror movie there. I think there's a lot that they can work with and a lot that they can really play with. And so I'm I'm really excited to see what this is because it just sounds fun, you know? And it's... I really love that this girl was just – the girl that's playing the uh, – the, I almost said the devil. The <laughs> vampire is uh, the, the young girl that played Matilda in the musical. <laughs> Really? It's the same oh, chick. I didn't even realize that. That's I'm like, amazing. good for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an exciting role to book as as a child actor, I'd imagine. <laughs> um, and also, the thing about this movie too is just it is it is going to be absolutely ridiculous. And I noticed that it's also like a, a loose remake of Dracula's Daughter, um, which I haven't seen many people talking about when they're talking about it. It's just like, oh, Vampire Child. I'm like, but Dracula's Daughter, Vampire Child. Like this goes a little bit deeper than that. So there's a possibility that. Maybe we'll see the big man himself uh, arrive later in the movie, which would e- add even more uh, layers of insanity to this already crazy story. <laughs> Imagine just Nicolas Cage. Dracula. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's so what I was good. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I think he should play Dracula in every Dracula uh, pro- going forward. Yeah. Any Anytime we're going to see Dracula again, just make it Nicolas Cage. Maybe this is the start of the dark universe for real this time. Oh, Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? They, they're going to try again. I know they will at some point. Within the next <laughs> couple of years, they're going to be like, hey, you guys remember that? Maybe maybe we'll give it another go. Uh, next movie is Mickey Seventeen. I'm gonna I'm gonna be curious to pick your guys' brains on this one. This one is about a disposable employee who is sent on a human expedition to colonize the ice world Niflheim. After one iteration of him dies, a new body is regenerated with most of his memories intact. Starring Robert Pattinson, Stephen Yun, Tony Collette, and Mark Ruffalo, and it's Bong Joon Ho's first film since his Oscar win for Parasite. Um that that's it right there i honestly don't even think any of us would need to say anything more to be like yeah this is worth being excited for yeah the one thing i'm concerned about is warner brothers just pulled this from the release schedule entirely they didn't just change the release date or bump it back they i think it's due to the fact that dune's coming out and they're maybe a little bit uh, sheepish about releasing two movies in the same time period i'm hearing other reports that um i'm forgetting the the big wig guy at warner brothers but apparently he feels it's a little too weird, uh, which is an interesting statement or sentiment. It's Bong Joon-ho. You know, like he just won an Oscar. His last movie won an Oscar. We got to we gotta trust him a little bit here. Um, but what, what are your guys' thoughts on this one, if you have any thoughts on it at all? So there's uh, everything that you said. I'm very – I don't know what to think about this movie because Bong Joon-ho's Parasite was wild. And so I expect that this is going to be wild in a whole new way because he just seems to be that type of filmmaker that likes to play with, you know, a strange sandbox. Uh, and then anytime that you attract Robert Pattinson, I think that kind of confirms we're in for a wild ride. I think the cast is really solid. I don't know what to expect from the story. I can theorize, but it's it's intriguing. The rumor, one of the rumors I saw was that it was pulled because they're going to premiere it at Cannes, um, uh. which would be would be a testament to the film. Uh, and I guess we won't know that for a couple more months, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it's he has a lot of goodwill from Parasite, right? So mm-hmm. uh, award winner. Uh, so let's see what happens. Yeah, I totally agree. Like just seeing that he was making it, I was there already. But I'm a huge fan of like weird sci-fi, yeah. odd concept, like um, high key weird 
like brain fuckery kind of stuff so i was like i am here for it regardless and robert pattinson too like um i've become a huge fan of him uh, as of late and so i'm just i'm really excited to see what happens it did upset me that it got like fully pulled like not to not even get a new release date so i do hope that we uh see it this year and it doesn't uh somehow get pushed to next year but um yeah i i am just excited for it because i i'm a big like sci-fi guy and the idea of having um this almost disposable person this guy who just get dies and dies over and over again gets regenerated right. like what could that mean for his character what's that going to mean for uh this movie are we going to have like crazy wild monsters or is it just like a really dangerous planet uh environment wise like it leaves so much up in the air and with his kind of style of filmmaking i'm just excited to see what comes of it yeah it, it feels to me a little bit like he's going to be doing a snow piercer parasite fusion yeah with mm. the with the vibe here um which which is exciting to me also i just i have to reiterate the cast is is awesome like that is like every single person here i'm extremely excited to see them acting together uh, i love that mark mark ruffalo's like getting away from being trapped in the, in the marvel machine um, you know, if Wesley, I don't think you've seen poor things yet, but I haven't, but I need to, holy shit, just an yeah, absolutely really ins insane performance from him. And I like the idea that he's kind of realized this, this new Avenue of like, okay, I can, I can be in weirder artsier stuff. Um, and I'm just excited. Stephen Young, Tony Collette. It's just, it sounds awesome. Um, no, you know, ahead, the, the other thing I'll say too, though, is just, I wouldn't read too much into them pulling it, uh, because, First of all, it's this far down. I mean, the, the movie's done essentially, right? So for him to say, "Oh, it's too weird," I don't, I don't buy that. Me I think either. I think it was more so they want to dominate that month of March because if you notice, they moved Godzilla X Kong up to Mickey Seventeen spot. Mm -hmm. So they're starting off the month with Dune Part Two, giving that like three weeks to really marinate, marinate four weeks really, and then hitting us at the end of the month with Godzilla. I think it's all about how they can dominate the box office early and make some money. Mm -hmm. um I, and i do i would expect that this would be something that one of the big festivals either venice or Cannes, would want because it's an oscar award winner premiering his next film it's definitely a draw it it also like the more i've th thought about it too i've realized that them pulling the release date and not announcing a new one there's the whole con thing but there's also the award season this year like we were talking about looks pretty dry and that's a good point a movie that releases in March will lose almost all its traction. Uh, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once being the rare exception to that. But most times if a movie comes out that early in the year, not a lot of people are talking about it by the time that award season comes around. So it feels like they're probably going to put a, a fall winter release date on this one just so that they can be like, hey, Academy voters, this is right at the front of your mind. Mm -hmm. It's a very good point. I'm excited for it. I, I think it'll be interesting. Um, next one is Nosferatu. Robert Eggers' remake of the 1922 silent vampire film of the same name. Big year for vampires, as was <laughs> as was last year. What We're on a big kick right now. Mm -hmm. uh, this stars Bill Skarsgård, Willem Dafoe, and Lily Rose Depp. Not much is... I mean, it's Nosferatu, so we know what it, what the plot is and what, it, what it's going to be. But there's no trailers or anything. Um, I'd imagine this is Robert Eggers dipping his toe even further into the whole gothic horror thing that he's become quite good at. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I, so I I think that I'm a little bullish on this. I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not totally excited for it. I like Eggers a lot, mm -hmm. and I always end up loving his films for one reason or another. Uh, I think I'm a little. I think 
Dracula is a little overdone. I like Abigail taking a different approach to it and, you know, being a more modern telling there. Um, I, I guess I want to see a little bit more what Nosferatu is going to look like. Yeah. Um, that's uh, my, but in saying that, I also like weird filmmakers, right? So, you know, I like Alex Garland, who was weird as shit with men and has done some weird stuff all along the the way. I like Yorgos Lanthimos because he knows that he's odd as shit and he just leans all the way yeah, into it. Right. And I think Eggers does that as well with some weird storytelling techniques and very oddly scripted stories. Uh, and I'm sure that Nosferatu is not going to be as direct. I mean, you think back to what was Eggers last one? The Northman? Uh, yes, yeah, the Northman. Um, the Nor- and I like the Northman a lot. I thought it was really, you know, well done. I thought there were some solid performances in it. Um, and that was probably one of his more straightforward stories, uh, you know, thinking back to the lighthouse before that. But um, I don't know. I, I, I wish I was more excited about this, but maybe I will once I see a little bit more. Once I, maybe I will be once I see a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Not having, like, no trailers or anything and not really anything to go off of, it's – kind of hard to have that excitement for it i i agree that i love to see um robert eggers do like weird stuff and i like you're saying joe how it's probably won't be as straightforward as we think um but i also agree with the like the overdoing of dracula a bit too um i i mean uh the i watched the last voyage of the demeter which kind of had like Mm-hmm. Dracula themes to it with him being this scary monster, but it wasn't really exactly what I was hoping for. Um, and so I, I hope that it almost um, harks back to the more original, like black and white, scary monster movies. I feel like that might be a direction he would go to. Um, I think you're right about that. I think that's probably what yeah. what he'll do with it. Yeah. So if, if it's like that, I, I I'll be really excited to see what uh, comes of it, but yeah, it's kind of tough to, really know when we don't have any visuals or anything like that but the cast is uh uh which is what makes me excited is the cast that's going to be there um i i know that they originally had uh andrew garfield in there too i think it was that's uh that's Um, frankenstein that's oh it's frankenstein Frankenstein. they did have anya taylor joy originally yes that's what i was thinking of anya taylor joy um which i would also love to have seen in this i'm sure she would have been really cool in a weird uh nosferatu remake whatever but yeah it's gonna be interesting to see and i as much as i am excited for it i am skeptical um because with these old monster movies you know a lot of times it's hit or miss um so we'll really have to just wait and see nosferatu is a weird thing to remake too you know it's it's a silent film i don't know if they've attempted to remake it before it's kind of just always existed in like iconic shots that you've seen on the internet um or if, you know, for real film historians, I have I have checked out Nosferatu, but it's it's it wasn't quite my thing. Um, I don't know. I I think Robert Eggers is, is someone I have so much goodwill in because of the Lighthouse that I I am rooting for this, and I think he'll probably use a lot of the same tricks he used on the Lighthouse with this one. But it, it it's hard to say, and I I think I'm mainly just interested in it because of Robert Eggers and and Bill Skarsgård playing playing a vampire. Mm-hmm. I think if you had asked. If any other filmmaker was directing this, I'd I'd be at like a two out of ten for excitement for it. But because it's Robert Eggers, I'm I'm somewhere like a six or a seven. So it is like he is is the selling point for me. And when you've got like Bill Skarsgård, who is literally I think the king of being creepy weird little weirdo, yeah. <laughs> little weirdos on uh, in movies. Like that's a it's a pretty good notion that you've got the right person. I think for uh, that kind of character, you know. 
I think it's interesting that they're going back to the well with uh, these monsters. You know, we talked about um, Dracula, but you also have, you know, Frankenstein, as you mentioned, Wesley, you know, we had, what do we have? Uh, Poor Things was basically a Frankenstein-esque story. Mm -hmm. You have Lisa Frankenstein coming out in a few weeks. Uh, you have the new Guillermo del Toro Frankenstein movie that shit. Yeah. Uh, is what Andrew Garfield was attached to, mm-hmm. um, but is now Jacob Elordi. Um, it's I just I don't know why. Like, I guess because it's you know it's all public domain essentially those characters, but uh, in, in the states at least, so they can get away with it. But I, it's it's a little frustrating. Like I feel like we're not. And when we go back to talking about the sequels and stuff that we're seeing, we're not seeing a lot of original right now. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a lot of safe bets, like mining mm-hmm. characters that have already existed. And that gets frustrating after a while, especially when you're like we are and you're watching as much as we are. Yeah. You know, I totally agree. It's It can be very frustrating seeing like all these things, like you were saying, uh, them becoming like public domain and being open and free, whatever. I, I almost hope to see um them to take those ideas and spin them in new directions like if they do want to try and uh harp on those old classics like take that idea but do your own thing with it i don't need to see a remake of the same thing i've seen 14 times or whatever um so i totally i totally agree that it can be frustrating to see that kind of stuff popping up all the time i ultimately feel like it's just like how many times can we remake these same stories but put a new splashy filmmaker on it like that that's kind of where they're at with that is they're just like Hey, we can make five Frankenstein's if one of them's done by Guillermo del Toro, and we can make another Dracula movie if one of them's done by Robert Eggers, because people like these filmmakers, so they're gonna get excited. But like, yeah, when you were going through the amount of Frankenstein stuff we're getting, I was kind of realizing in real time, like, wow, I think we can dial this back a little bit. I don't know if we need all that. It's like what happened with zombies years ago. Like we had The Walking mm-hmm. Dead, and then we had all those movies that came out around zombies, and it's uh, we're just going through a cycle. <laughs> yep. Uh, next one's a fun one and one that I actually am, am very excited for. Next one is Maxine. Uh, set oh, six yeah. years after the Texas Pornhouse Massacre, Maxine is now L.A.-based and on a driven quest to become a star in the acting world. But things take a sinister turn when bodies once again begin to fall around her. This is the conclusion to Ty West's X-Trilogy, uh, of course, once again starring Mia Goth. Joe, I remember, I think we had a conversation about Pearl and X. And I, I believe you were quite high on them when, at the time, right? So I'm much higher on Pearl than I am X. I, I liked X, but I loved Pearl. And I also love that it came out of like them just chatting and writing the story while they filmed X, um, which I and then obviously filming Pearl at the same time. I thought that was awesome. And uh, I'm excited to see where this takes it. I think Mia Goth is like phenomenal in this role uh, and really kind of knows how to, you know, you look at her in Pearl and she played a very different role, obviously, two roles right in uh in x mm-hmm. um she can kind of mold herself to different personalities and i'm just fascinated to see how she plays the character in maxine and what direction they take it uh you know ty west i good for him he created a new modern trilogy uh horror trilogy that i think we'll look back on in you know the future and uh see as one of the ones that we treat today like what uh nightmare on elm street that type of stuff i think this is really a unique trilogy and i'm excited to see how they conclude it mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree that it's it's such a unique trilogy like it's so interesting for me uh having watched them both to just really consider i didn't haven't even thought about that the fact that in years we'll probably be looking back at this one as like a a great trilogy because it's that's not as common these days and yeah i totally agree that i'm i'm excited for this movie i i thought both Pearl and X were both great movies. Um, and I really love this idea of 
him releasing Pearl after X and this kind of jumping back and forth of seeing where this character comes from in the first place and now us jumping even further ahead in time um, to seeing where more characters land. And so I, I'm really interested to see what he does with this because, yeah, I thought both those movies were incredible and I, yeah. I'm i just excited to see the conclusion of this trilogy. It's it's notable too that like I, when we talk about iconic horror franchises or at least new, new ones – not a lot comes to mind aside from, you know, X, Pearl, and, like, Terrifier. I think mm-hmm. those are kind of, like, the big three newer horror franchises that are actually coming up in conversation frequently instead of, like, oh, this was cool, moving on. Um, so I, I think that this is exciting, especially because Ty West has talked about how X was a, an attempt at a 70s slasher movie. Pearl was his attempt at going even further back and doing, like, the psychological thriller, psychological horror sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and then this one, he, he's compared to an 80s slasher movie, which says it right there. We're in for some violent, over-the-top, ridiculous insanity. <laughs> ridiculous is the right word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's also said that he's going for uh, like a giallo vibe, which is like a very specific type of like Italian slasher that is typically marked by its excessive use of the color red. So I think that this will be pretty awesome. I know that there's been some like controversy behind the scenes with this because... Uh, Mia Goth supposedly kicked an extra in the head and then taunted him on set, which has led to a whole bunch of, you know, discussions around the movie. That's something I prefer to keep myself out of. I'm really just excited for for a, a new yeah. slasher movie from from Ty West. Mm-hmm. Um, next one, Paddington in Peru. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna talk about this really quick. We can move on so fast. But this is this one's really just for Aiden. Yeah, this one's just for me. I just wanted to toss this in here because I'm. I'm very excited. I'm someone who so vocally adores the Paddington movies. Anytime I have a bad week or I'm going through something in life, I fire up Paddington 2. I always end the night with the biggest smile on my face. That movie is, honestly, the more I think about it, probably up there for me in, like, favorite movies ever. Um, So I'm just excited for more. I know Paul King is not returning for this one, which has me scratching my head a little bit. I think he was busy with Wonka. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the less said, the better on Joe's end. I hated that movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think we're in for another adventure with Paddington, which I, I really don't have much more to say about that. I hope it comes out this year. The plot follows Paddington and the Brown family as they visit Aunt, Aunt Lucy in Peru, but a mystery sends them to the Amazon rainforest and up Peruvian mountains. So it sounds like they're just taking him out of his sandbox, putting him in another location, and, and sending him on another crazy adventure. Um, do you guys got any fondness for the Paddington movies at all, or is this just a me pick? It's really funny because whenever we talk about the Paddington movies, which happens quite a bit in our podcast, <laughs> um, I always think of that scene um, from uh, what was that movie uh, with Nicolas Cage and Pedro Pascal? Oh, uh, oh. unbearable weight of massive talent. Yes. I always think of that of like the what are your top three movies in Paddington Two? It's like what Paddington Two's not that good, and then he's just crying for watching it. I, I mean, hey, I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. Uh, I think that um, children's movies, specifically this year, we've got some decent children's movies. Like, I don't know if uh, you've got this one on your list or not, but like If that's coming out looks very interesting to me. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm It's Paddington. Who doesn't love Paddington? Yeah. This cute little bear guy. So sure, I'm, I'm here for it. I, is Paul King producing or anything? I mean, he that is. doesn't really mean anything. Uh, that's just a paycheck. He's producing, and I believe he might have a writing credit, which is which is promising. Okay, that uh, then I feel okay about that. I I mean he he has a long way to go to uh, make me fall in love with him again <laughs> after Wonka, but 
Um, no, I I think that that's a negative that he's not directing Paddington Agreed. and Peru, and I think also losing the main cast is also a problem because it's not the the same cast, right? It's uh, it's just Sally Hawkins returning, okay. I believe. So it's him I think and Sally Hawkins. Uh, would Hawkins, Ben Wishaw not be in there? Like that's that's a little upsetting. But um, I don't know. I, uh, listen, it, it has a lot of goodwill, so hopefully it uh, just capitalizes on what's come before and delivers the same heartfelt fun that people love. The more I read about Paddington Brew, it is one of those like, oh, no moments for me because it's kind of like, hey, another Paddington sequel without all the things that made the first two movies, yeah. what mm. made them so enjoyable. Yeah. So I think I'm just riding on the fact that I love this franchise so much. Um it doesn't even. I don't even know if it's going to come out this year, so we'll have to True. see. Uh, but I, I'm I'm quite excited for it, and I hope I don't get my heart crushed in the movie theater. <laughs> Let's talk about one that I think is at the top of all of our lists: uh, Dune Part Two, which is mm-hmm. Paul Atreides. He unites with Chani and the Fremen while seeking revenge against the conspirators who destroyed his family. Facing a choice between the love of his life and the fate of the universe, he must prevent a terrible future only he can for, uh, for, foresee. This might be the biggest cast ever. Like, I'd have to actually go through it to, like, name it, but we've got Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, uh, Javier Bardem, uh, Christopher Walken. Like, it is is absolutely stacked. Oppenheimer with, like, a word. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. You got me there. So that they had Roderick from Diary of a Wimpy Kid and, and Josh Peck there. So <laughs> it goes it goes deeper with that one. It doesn't get better than that. Um, what are, what are our anticipation levels for Dune Part Two? I I've been hearing this weird conversation from people, which is like, is Dune even that good? And that's kind of uh, nauseating for me as somebody who adored the first Dune movie. Um, I know I know that the reactions vary to that movie but i i personally loved it so how are, how are we feeling about it joe we can start with you there's a lot of revisionist history there with that so i've been hearing the same thing people saying it was boring and uh i you know i think anytime that you know it's the first part of a second movie it goes back to kind of what we were talking about first part of a two-part movie i should say not a second movie what we had talked about earlier was splitting movies like you run into that challenge you have to split it at the right part you need to make sure that you're telling two you know distinct but connected stories in both of them um, and I thought Dune did that very well. I, I think back to, you know, Harry Potter and a Deathly Hallows, and that's probably not the best comparison, but I thought they split it pretty well. They did. They took care of all the like setup in the first one. And the second one was like, let's go. We're like, we're hitting all the action. And we're getting to the end. And I thought they were, I think they work well together. I expect that after Dune part two, we'll be able to say the same thing that looking at them together, the, the trajectory of the story makes sense. Um, I thought Doom Part One was phenomenal. I, I, I loved it when I saw it, or I guess I really liked it when I saw it. I love it even more now mm-hmm. um, because I think that it's technically sound and it's very well acted. Uh, I'm most excited to see Zendaya have more to do in this one, yeah. And I'm very excited to see Austin Butler just like lose his shit. Bald so, Austin Butler. All the shots I've seen of him are black and white for some reason. So I don't, so cool. In, really interested in that. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to see Zendaya not relegated to being in like music video shots through through the next movie. Yeah, I really think people are gonna um, eat their words uh, about talking about how the first one's boring after they watch the first one and the second one closer together. Like I was saying before, the second one comes out, I need to rewatch the first one, and I want to do it as close together as possible so I can really get the full experience. Hey, it's coming back to IMAX. Exactly. Yes, it is. So I will be definitely checking it out when it's back in IMAX. But yeah, I think once we get the full completion of the whole story, like I really enjoyed the first one too. I thought it was insane. I thought it was looked incredible. And so 
I'm just excited to see this world again, to explore more of this world again, because it's such an interesting uh, world to be a part of and to, even though I, I agree that some of the politics of it can be boring, um, that just all of the interesting struggles and things that are going on uh, behind the scenes are so interesting to watch. And so I'm really excited to see the culmination of this. Um, and yeah, like you guys were saying, to see more Zendaya, because I feel like when I think about her in the movie, I think about like the last shot or yeah. whatever that is, where you just kind of like see her face and that's it. That's all I can think about. Yeah. So I'm definitely excited to see her have more in this one. Zendaya fans were certainly mad after yeah. they left that movie. They were like, wait, that's it? They're like, I came for just Zendaya and she was in <laughs> maybe the last 20 minutes. Uh, to the folks too, who have been saying, you know, Dune's boring or I'm not seeing the vision. I raise you this argument. He rides a fucking sandworm in this next movie. Like, like grow up. He rides a sandworm. Like, it's going to be awesome. Um, I, I think that this is probably my most anticipated movie of the year. I expect it to be nothing but absolutely epic. Um, and, and again, I, th- I think like, like we've been saying too, like by the time that this movie wraps up, it will make us appreciate Dune one more as well. We will leave that theater saying like, okay, the, the whole puzzle is completed now. And now I can judge it for what it is, which is, one of the coolest sci-fi movies in the last, you know, 20 years. So I, I'm very, anticip- uh, very, very much anticipating this. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one is Hitman. This is Richard Linklater's new movie starring Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell, an actor who's really been proving himself with movie star status uh, recently. And this uh, follows a very, very interesting and funny plot, which is an undercover Houston police officer poses as a hitman to arrest those trying to hire him until he tries to save a woman in need. Um, I, we don't need to talk too much about this movie because I don't think we have much anticipation for it yet, but the early buzz for this one from film festivals and from folks I know who have seen it uh, or that it's absolutely amazing and one of the, the movies to look out for for this year. Have you heard much about this in your your inner circle, Joe? I, uh, I actually heard split things, which is really funny because if you go to like, you know, uh, our Bible, Rotten Tomatoes, which isn't really the Bible, but uh, <laughs> it, it's doing really well in there. Um, I don't know much about it, and I'm kind of happy about that. Like, I think I want to keep it that way and just see how it hits when I see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, similarly, I when you put that one in your list and sent it to me, I looked it up because I had, hadn't even heard about it. Uh, and just reading the plot, it sounds really interesting. And I'm, I'm always kind of a big fan of, like, um, guy going undercover, something wild happens or whatever. And also to hear that it's kind of some kind of also bits of like a love story in there where he like mm-hmm. falls in love with this woman. Like I'm interested to see, uh, it sounds really good and I, yeah, I'm just excited for it. Um, but that's, it's funny that, um, uh, that it's like, I don't think, I can't remember the last time I have seen uh, one of those like movies where it's like guy goes on epic adventure and then love interest and girl that hasn't been like a comedy. Like I feel like so much of that has been, these action comedies we've been getting mm. uh, lately. So it'll be interesting to see uh, it taken in a more serious way. Uh, and I'm excited for it. Uh, my religion is Glenn Powell recently. Like after, <laughs> after anyone but you, I was like, ah, I'm, I'm all in. I got season tickets for this guy. I'm so excited. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. Another one too, that I, we can kind of briefly just gloss over um, that has been premiering. It just premiered at Sundance actually. And has, has been hearing a lot of really positive reception is love lies bleeding. The plot is Lou is a reclusive, reclusive gym manager who falls hard for Jackie, an ambitious bodybuilder who's heading to Las Vegas to pursue her dream. Their love soon pulls them to violence as they get pulled deeper into the web of Lou's criminal family. Starring Christian Stewart and Katie O'Brien uh, of Mandalorian, 
fame, and I think she's been popping up in some other stuff recently. Uh, I think she's a cool actress who I haven't really... She hasn't really had any roles yet where she's had the chance to really, really soar. Um, and from what I've been hearing from all the early buzz for this one, this is this is that. So this, did you? Do you guys see the trailer for this one? I did. Yeah, it looks looks pretty wicked. Mm-hmm. Look, it's a twenty four, and a twenty four has a really good track record. So I'm immediately interested. Kristen Stewart takes very interesting roles, so I'm excited to see her in this. Uh, and then you have Ed Harris in it, Dave Franco. Like it's it's a solid cast. Uh, and from what I understand from Sundance, it's very like unapologetically lusting and like, you know, lesbian centric and mm-hmm. all the, I'm like, go for it. Just like yeah. go all the way nuts because when movies kind of like tiptoe around what they're really about, it pisses me off. Mm-hmm. So when a movie like this, which it sounds like this is going to go like full throttle, I'm all in. And I love that from filmmakers. So I'm excited to see what they do. I've heard this one is deeply horny and deeply violent. And yes. I'm like, cool, uh, sign me up. Deeply <laughs> horny, deeply violent, I'm there. Yeah. Uh, next one is Furiosa. Wait, side note, this is the same guy that's like Paddington in Peru. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm he, like, you know what? Movie taste. They just kind of like span, you know? I'm, I'm here for everything, you know? I'm, ju- I'm just here consuming cinema. That's, that's, all, that's all this is. Um, Furiosa is the next one. Snatched from the green place of many mothers, young Furiosa falls into the hands of a great biker horde. Uh, led by the warlord Dementis. Sweeping through the wasteland, they come across the Citadel, presided by the Immortan Joe. As the two tyrants fight for dominance, Furiosa soon finds herself in a nonstop battle to make her way home. Starring Anya Taylor-Joy and Chris Hemsworth, it is a prequel to Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, kind of set the internet ablaze when everybody saw the CGI for the movie, and everybody's been freaking out about how it doesn't look good. And to that I say, you know, George Miller knows what he's doing. I, th- I think we trailer. should... It's a trailer. You watched it on your cell phone. You don't really have much of a perspective of how it's actually going to look when we when we see the the movie itself. Um, I, I think I'm excited for this less than other people are. You know, like this is many people's number one movie of the year, and I'm kind of just like, yeah, I'll go see it, and I think I think it'll be fun. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on on Furiosa? On a scale of one to ten, I'm at a zero. Yeah, uh, you, you know, like I'm. I guess I'm going to go see it. I just don't care, and like I think. It looks very much like what's come before to a detriment, you know, to its detriment. I would love to see something different, but it's like, oh, we're just going to run through the desert again. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see that they're allowing Chris Hemsworth to like lean into his Aussie accent. I think that's fun. Yeah. Um, But I just I really have no interest in this trailer was fine. And I was like, again, much of the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Like. I feel like after I watch this, I'm still just going to be like, I like Mad Max more, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think it's just going to be kind of the same thing, but Mad Max did it better, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll still go watch it uh, for sure. I love that kind of world, and I love the wild, crazy cars and, like, all the insanity that comes with it. But, yeah, I, I don't have a ton of excitement for this either. Like, it's pretty, it's sitting pretty low on my radar. Yeah. Fury Road is one of those movies where it's like, absolutely masterful and i i wasn't le- like leaving that movie like i want another one you know exactly. like i would i was pretty blown away with that movie and i think i was like i'm i'm good I, that was incredible um and i think the last thing i was itching for is a mad max movie without mad max so mm-hmm. um you know tom hardy is just he's not even like a, a great character he's just kind of like the drawing force of the of that movie and i just uh i don't know how i feel about anya taylor joy in a role like this I, i'm hoping she can pull it off but I think this is a big test for her, and I think we'll we'll really see if she's capable of of leading like a big action franchise uh, like this. 
But again, like I kind of echo where you're at, where the whole world was freaking out about this trailer. And I was like, you know, I'll, I'll see it because I, I like to see everything, but I'm not freaking out about, uh, about Furiosa. Exactly. And it's weird. Cause I, I feel like an outlier with that. Like, it's nice to have, have people validate that because most people, <laughs> most people I've talked to about Furiosa have been like, this is the movie you need to see in 2024. And I'm like, geez, it's a bleak year. If that's the case, this is your outlier support group. Yeah, there we go. Uh, next movie is Joker Falle Adieu, a musical sequel for Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix and Lady Gaga. Am I confident this will be good? Absolutely not. But is that <laughs> logline right there enough to get me super excited? Absolutely. How are, how are we feeling about this one? I, uh, I'll i say the <laughs> same that I did. Well, not the same. About I'm intrigued. And yeah. I, I mean, I love DC. I like what they did with the first one. I love that there was a lot of shock value with the first one because it leaned all the way into, you know, the, the realistic side of that story. Like the what's the word I'm not, like a grittier side of mm. DC, which is what I loved from some of the DC films that we got that one being the exception that went all the way. Um, I worry that this is going to be a lot more of the same mm. and that the expectation is that they're going to lean more into connections with established villains or, uh, or Batman himself. Uh, and they're going to make more connections there that are going to dilute the originality of the first one. So I don't know. Lady Gaga is a great performer and a great actress. So I'm excited to see what she brings to it. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough to know how this differentiates from the first one. And the musical side of it is always, you know, uh, not a red flag, but um, you know, an asterisk there as to like, what's it going to be? Mm-hmm. I love a musical, but I, I, I have no idea how this is going to exist as a musical. Yeah. This really makes me think like, they're like, Hmm, what if we did a star is born, but in a dark universe? <laughs> right. yeah. and so I don't know. I like, I, yeah, I like the first one. Uh, I'll still go watch it, but yeah, the musical aspect is what's really turning it away from me. Like for how gritty and, and, uh, like you're saying, like the shock value of that first one. Uh, I'm just so curious in how they're going to either keep that character in this universe with a musical, if it's going to be like a lot of the stuff is he's just kind of going insane and it's all happening in his head or whatever. I'm not sure, but we'll, we'll see. So it's funny you say that because that's my theory. My theory is that like she's dead, that maybe like in the first accident that we all know about or whatever iteration they're going to tell of it, she died and this is all happening in her head, in his head. And that's where the singing's coming from. Mm-hmm. I would be on board with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I also then wonder like, what's it doing for the character? Like, what are they trying to push him towards? But we'll see. I mean, the first, like I said, the first one was, I really enjoyed it. So and yeah. J- Joker is a perfect one-off movie. Like we were talking Furiosa doesn't need to exist, but if we're really talking movies that don't need to exist, this is, this is leading the list. Like yep. mm-hmm. Joker ends. And I was like, perfect, fully wrapped up present with a bow on top, you know? And uh, whether you hate that movie, you love it. And there are a lot of people who hate it. It is a, a really dark and bleak and sad exploration of like what, a what people can be led to when they're in a mm-hmm. when they're treated por- horribly by a system that rejects them. And I just have no idea how this is needed, how it's like, okay. And so the next natural course of action is to make them sing. Um, (laughs) I just, I don't know how we got here and I am very curious about it, but I I don't know about it. Yeah. Um, Next one is the strangers chapter one, which follows 
a character named Maya who drives across the country with her long-term boyfriend, Ryan, as the pair begin a new life together in the Pacific Northwest. Along the way, their car breaks down in Oregon, and they are forced to spend the night in an isolated Airbnb. Throughout the night, they are terrorized by three murderous masked strangers. This is the first in a trilogy of new strangers movies, um, and the filmmakers recently had to clarify for us, this does take place in the same timeline as like the other two movies. It's not a reboot, which... I don't know if the filmmakers of this movie have watched How Strangers Pray at Night Ends, but I, I have no idea how this takes place in the same timeline. Um, I love The Strangers, and if we're talking about movies that really scared the shit out of me, that one leads the list. Like I, I remember watching that uh, by myself in a dark room, and I was like unable to sleep. Like It's one of the rare movies that has kept me up for hours, just kind of like watching the door. Uh, really messed me up, that movie. Maybe I watched it too young, but just really messed me up. And so... I'm excited because I'm excited for the idea of more Strangers movies. It is an idea that I've always thought, hey, why aren't there more Strangers movies? Mm -hmm. But a trilogy that we're all, we're going to announce all at once and we're going to film them all back to back. I, I'm i curious about it. Joe, how do, how do you feel about it? Well, horror trilogies and announcing them at the beginning, of like even before the first one comes out, is all the rage today, right? With Halloween and with uh, Exorcist Believer. Exorcist movies and that. Um, as long as uh, Green's not involved, I think we're fine. But I I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what they can do differently with this that is going to capitalize or exceed the success of the first one. Because I, I agree with you. The first one scared the shit out of me. And I remember, like, my parents had a house in the Poconos forever. And every time we were up there and I would be, like, up late, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> like, all, all I'm thinking about is looking through the big window and seeing, like, one of those masks. Like I'm like terrified right now sitting next to a window. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand how it lives in the same universe. I don't understand why we need, like it's just a tough one to recreate or even if it was a reboot, it's tough to reboot without taking the same steps, especially when we had that, you know, I would argue that movie Hush a few years ago was kind of like a spinoff in a sense. Do you remember that one with the, the deaf protagonist? I do, uh, directed by Mike Flanagan. Exactly, yeah, and that film. was great, in my opinion. I don't know, I, like what? What are we milking from this? I don't, I don't know. I I have a feeling that this movie is going to attempt to you know do the modernized horror thing where it's like Airbnbs and um, doors that you can unlock with codes and all these things that I think you know Scream Scream Five uh, directed by Radio Silence kind of tried to play into where it's like, what if Ghostface had access to unlocking your doors um, digitally? And so I, I think that the attempt, or at least what they might be trying to set up here, is like home invasion and violent, uh, pointless home invasion in, the, in a day and age where so much of our security is is digitalized. Um, but again, like, what more can we add to that? That first one's just like, hey, knock on the door, they're going to kill you. And I think that that's scarier in a sense. A um, couple red flags that I saw with, with this new Strangers movie is the plan is to explore the act of evil and what makes somebody violent that way. And I'm like, that's not what I'm interested in. It's also called Halloween. Right? Like if we get to the third movie and it's like a legal, legal uh, court procedural where it's like, what are we doing? You know, I'm into that. <laughs> I, I could be up for it, but I, they have to be very careful with how they go about, about like this whole trilogy idea. Wesley, yeah. do you ever watch the strangers? Do you have any idea have, what we're in for? I have no, I never watched The Strangers. I have like, oh, man. I watched, uh, or I, I read the description of this movie and that's about it. Now I feel like I have to watch The Strangers movie. If you guys are terrified by it, oh, I got I have to watch it now. Um, Dark Room 
leave your door unlocked. No. Like your front door, just leave it unlocked. <laughs> just see, front door. see how it makes you feel. Leave it it's wide so open uh, and invite anyone in. No, I, I'll have to watch it because the way you guys are talking about this, I am now very intrigued to see uh, what they will do with the trilogy, even though I have like no idea what any of it's about. But just reading the plot, it does sound like, like you were saying, they're kind of trying to modernize it in the sense of like that scary Airbnb, like uh, unlocking doors with codes, like things like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I'll have to watch the, the first one now and terrify myself. <laughs> I, I love a good home invasion movie. I just hope this is a good one. You know, that's that's what I'm what I'm nervous about. Uh, next one is Beetlejuice 2. The long gestating sequel to the iconic first film starring a returning cast of Keaton, Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder, plus new characters from Jenna Ortega and Willem Dafoe, who plays a ghost detective. So that sounds fun. Um, I'm hoping this captures some of the original weird magic, but... Tim Burton hasn't had a good movie in like 15 years. Mm. And that is, I feel like the most important part of the conversation, which is he's kind of just lost his touch. When people look at his iconic movies, they are like decades removed from the stuff he's been doing recently. Um, so like the whole returning casting has me excited and, and Beetlejuice, they've been trying to do a second Beetlejuice movie since the original Beetlejuice. There was uh, Wes, we did a Beetlejuice episode in the past and we talked about Beetlejuice goes to Hawaii was like a whole thing that they had yeah. planned out for a while. So they, they've wanted to do this for a while. And now they've finally gotten it off the ground, and virtually no one's talking about it. Um, Joe, how, how do you feel about this? I saw your face when I first said it. I just don't care. I like yeah. The first one is so iconic in so many ways that even you know the the leaks and like little like pictures that came out. I think there was one of Jenna Ortega like riding a bike or something right before uh, they had to stop for the strike, and uh, like it just all looks so familiar. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing about it that has me intrigued. Um, It, I like having Catherine O'Hara back. I like Willem Dafoe's character. I think that's going to be interesting. Um, But I, look, what are we doing with this? I I, I just, I don't know. It's something that I don't need. And this goes back to the whole sequel thing that we've been talking about, which is just like, there's so many sequels this year where everyone's just kind of like, okay, sure, I guess. And don't get me wrong, like I I love a good sequel. Uh, I love a bad sequel, but there's certain ones that I just feel like so much time has passed that we don't have to touch it. And Beetlejuice is another one. They're just capitalizing on the success of certain actresses and actors that were involved in that original one. Yeah, uh, you know, with Michael Keaton being back on the forefront, and especially Catherine O'Hara, I think is going to carry a lot of the day. Uh, I'm just I have no interest. And Jenna Ortega, I should mention, but yeah, I feel like they're very much trying to capitalize on. Yeah, like those actors coming back, but also even like the success of the Beetlejuice musical um, and things like that. Like, I think they saw how uh, many people liked that. And so they were like, maybe this is our fi- finally our chance to get the sequel going. But even then, I feel like the Beetlejuice musical did what this sequel is trying to do is bring this uh, IP kind of back. And so yeah, I'm just excited. I'm excited for to have this like original cast, like a lot of the original cast members back and um to see what they do with it but yeah i kind of agree where i'm like i'm excited but at the same time i'm like why though Mm -hmm. what is the point of this this is gonna be a musical isn't it yeah (laughs) it might be it it, i'm sure there will be quite a few musical numbers uh i wouldn't be surprised but we'll see jenna ortega is really in a situation where she's risking like typecasting herself permanently Mm -hmm. um you know between uh wednesday and and then this and kind of her whole aesthetic is becoming tim burton weird girl Mm -hmm, Um, absolutely and i i think she i saw her in the fallout and i thought that was 
one of the best performances I can recall in recent memory from a young actress. And I loved that movie. And then she just proceeded to just follow that up for years with just like, I'm a little quirky and I'm a little bizarre. And I'm just like, oh man, I'm, I'm a little bummed out that this is like where she's choosing to go with her career. But I'm hoping that there's some reason for this to be worth being excited for. Because when Wesley and I did a Beetlejuice podcast a few years ago, we were very much like, get it off the ground, you know, get a Beetlejuice too. In this, in this day and age of like everything iconic from the eighties and nineties coming back, why not Beetlejuice? Um, but I think with some time removed from that sentiment, I'm a little bit like, why Beetlejuice? Mm. You know, like why, why is this something that feels worth resuscitating? There haven't even been any good teases. Like I think about like, maybe Deadpool is a complete outlier here, but Deadpool three, like they teased us right at the beginning with like Wolverine's coming back and, you know, like certain things to get you excited to try to bring you back into the fold of this IP. And Beetlejuice hasn't done any of that, mm-hmm. not a lick of that. Yeah. And that worries me a little bit. It kind of worries me. And I don't know if this is on your list, Hayden, but uh, Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, like mm-hmm. very much for the same reason. Like the last one, we didn't get any good like teases for it until the actual teaser came out. Um, and then the movie was what it was. And it was, in my opinion, fine. And um, we're getting a sequel that I also don't care about, but <laughs> you know, like, what are we doing with this stuff? It's, I, I guess it's just cheaper for them to mine IP that they already own. Um, but it's, it's frustrating because the true success at the box office, I think is coming from, uh, original films original that content. are willing, willing to take that step. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope 20, it's too late for 2024 be, to be the year that this is like <laughs> tested, but I hope studios realize like Oppenheimer and Barbie was not a fluke. People are, are hungry for like original new stuff. They're, they're kind of sick of like, Hey, remember this thing? Don't you like the thing? We got more of it for you. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I'm feeling about this one as well. Mm-hmm. Wes, do you have any other thoughts on, on Beetlejuice too? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, just similarly, it does very much feel like they're trying to mine that old IP to get yeah. the nostalgia back for people. And yeah, it's pretty obvious that people are starting to get sick of that. So, Unless there's something really spectacular about this movie, I, I don't have, like, any huge hopes. But, hey, who doesn't like Beetlejuice? Like, <laughs> you know, it's it's fun. Daylight come and we won't go home. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I have a fun time at the movie theaters. That's all I can ask for. Yeah, exactly. Um, Civil War is our next movie. This film, Joe, I know you mentioned you were excited for this one. This film follows a team of journalists who travel across the United States during a rapidly escalating second civil war that has engulfed the entire nation. It stars uh, Kristen Dunst, or Kirsten Dunst, uh, Jesse Plemons, Kaylee Spaney, and Nick Offerman. Directed by Alex Garland, he of Annihilation and Men fame. What, what, what has you so excited for about this one? I, I watched the trailer. I was pretty into it. So I really like Alex Garland. I, I think he's extremely weird, um, but in a good way. I think he he delivers on the weirdness. I always think about, I think Sean and I just talked about it in last week's pod. Uh, when I walked out of men being like, Holy shit, that was so weird. But why did I love it? Like there's something <laughs> right. about it that I love. Um, and so I'm excited to see this because this is a pretty straightforward premise, but it's also so, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys know this living uh, North of the border here, uh, but uh, we're a little bit of, can I curse? Absolutely. I was we're a little fucked up down here. <laughs> um, and uh, the future of our country is not necessarily guaranteed. So I it's just part of me is like, why are we showing this? We don't need to give anyone any ideas. But at the same time, I think it's such an interesting and timely premise to explore what would happen if a couple of states broke off and decided to. Uh, the funny part is, I think they choose Texas and uh, California here, which could not be further apart ideologically. <laughs> um, but, you know, what would happen in that in that scenario? Uh, 
and it just i think the trailer is just really well done it's kind of gritty it reminds me a little bit of like the last of us without the creatures right. <laughs> and i'm i'm just pumped i i love stuff like this and uh it's gonna hit too close to home and it's gonna keep me up at night but uh i i like alex garland as a filmmaker and i'm excited to see what he does with it i love this kind of like terrifyingly timely stuff uh-huh. where, where you're like this is so relevant and i'm also horrified that this is the world that we currently exist in exactly um do you, this i don't want to like you know uh lump alex garland in but this looks much more conventional than a lot of a lot of his other stuff no i totally agree in particular it feels like he, he you know men was interesting but it didn't get much of a positive reception, especially at the box office and, and critically. So it seems like he's kind of redirecting a little bit to do something a little bit more in his 28 Days Later origins. He, he wrote the scripts for those. Um, so it feels like he's kind of pivoting a little bit to to readjust. And I, I'm super into it. it. It sounds absolutely bizarre. My grandfather texted me the other day and he's like, Civil War looks scary and awesome. Let's go check it out. And I was like, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, I totally agree. It's very, very timely and very... Uh like you're saying gritty i like the gritty feel of it mm-hmm. i feel like that's such a huge thing about uh when you think about journalism and people who do journalism in war zones like they are in the nitty-gritty of it they're in the intenseness of it and it very much feels that way from this trailer and so yeah i'm super excited this looks awesome and it yeah definitely very timely um and very fitting and i'll be honest i didn't realize it was following the journalists that closely and i, I should have from the trailer uh, but I think that's such a unique angle to take with this that it, it kind of excites me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's A24, I believe, is it? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Once yeah. again, A24 does no wrong with me except it's the musical, which I didn't love. I didn't check that one out. I think I, it was actually your review that scared me off of it. And I usually will form my own opinion and check things out. But I saw the trailer for that and I was like, oh, no. And then I was so stupid. Yeah, it did what is it the sewer boys or whatever whatever it was still makes no sense yeah very silly stuff that i i'm glad i i didn't didn't check out um i'm excited for civil war i i think alex garland is he's on a real winning streak right now yeah i agree uh next one is one that has the entire internet hating on it and i think it looks kind of fun uh lisa frankenstein (laughs) oh no not that look uh a coming of rage love story about a teenager and her crush who crush and who happens to be a corpse after a set of horrific circumstances bring him back to life, the two embark on a journey to find love, happiness, and a few missing body parts. Um, directed by Zelda Williams, daughter of Robin Williams, and written by Diablo Cody. People do not seem interested in this one. The The consensus on the internet is that it just looks horrible, and to that I say, it's written by Diablo Cody. We gotta just, we gotta have a little bit more to work with. I, you know, like, I, uh, I love Jennifer's body so much, and I, I don't think that she's going to return to writing in the horror genre just to have a complete miss. So I think what we're actually dealing with here is a really bad trailer and maybe a fun movie. Um, and at least that's the optimist in me talking. What are, what are we thinking about this? Because Wesley actually got to my house to do this episode, and he was like, I saw Lisa Frankenstein on your list, and, and I'm very quest- I'm questioning that right now. Yeah, I, I'll start by just saying, yeah, I the trailer is does not it does not seem appealing to me. You know when you watch a trailer and there's like very clearly a lot of jokes in it that they're really trying to make you laugh at and you just don't? You just sit there and like, hmm. That was me watching this trailer for the first time when it came on in theaters. Just like, and you could be right. It could just be a bad trailer. Um, But the premise doesn't sound that interesting to me. We were already talking about how they're trying to do Frankenstein so much right now. Mm -hmm. This looks like one of the weakest ones, in my opinion. I have... I have very little excitement about this, but 
it could it could uh totally blow me away who knows it might just be a bad trailer but yeah the trailer is definitely the biggest thing that is turning me away from this movie it gives me warm bodies vibes uh, um and i liked warm bodies but i'm not feeling like i'm gonna like this um i actually the they had the first screening for it last night though for us and it comes out february 9th here and that surprised me because that's an early screening um however the embargo doesn't lift until like right before the movie comes out so oh. there's that's the flip side of it i was about to say um, that seems like confidence and then you're like oh, yeah embargo. that's what i was and thinking I, was like, oh. I i just i don't i have no interest in this either um this is so stupid but there's a drag queen that came out with a song years ago called lisa frankenstein mm-hmm. um the drag queen's name is nina west and all i think about is that music video mm-hmm. uh and it was like bobby moynihan's in the video as well and it's just it's funny as shit so look that up and that's probably better than the movie yeah i was gonna say that that's your lisa frankenstein <laughs> in your brain that's my lisa frankenstein and i'm like if they don't include that song in this movie somewhere <laughs> they have to um that trailer's not great but i love that they use that kim petrus song it, it like Agreed with that one. I'm, I'm just hoping that this is campy and ridiculous. And with Diablo Cody writing it, you know, I'm a big Jennifer's Body fan. So, like, I feel like we could be in for something good. Um, I also am just interested to see Zelda Williams doing something. Like, you know, fo- like following in her father's footsteps and, and entering the film industry is just, it, it's interesting and exciting to me. I wish it was surrounding a little bit of a better project. Mm. Um, and Cole Sprouse is, I think, the big thing on the internet that's got everybody in shambles because... He really lost all the goodwill that everybody had from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody with Riverdale. Like, oh, yeah. people are not not fond of him anymore. Um, I don't know. I, I hope it's it's better than it looks, but it, it seems like people are pretty out on this movie. Uh, next yeah, one is yeah. Challengers. It follows Tashi, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a champion on a losing streak. Her strategy for her husband's redemption takes a surprising turn when he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's former boyfriend. This was meant to release this year or last year, uh, but it was delayed due to a little thing called the strikes. Ever heard of it? <laughs> and it stars Zendaya, Mike Feist, and Josh O'Connor, and is directed by Luca Guadagnino of Suspiria and Call Me by Your Name fame. Great set of talent surrounding this movie. Um, Mike Feist, who's stepping off Broadway and into into more film oriented roles, uh, continuing after West Side Story. I'm pretty excited for this one. Um, Joe, how are you feeling about about Challengers? I'm really excited for this one too. I Luca Guadagnino. I mean, whatever. His last movie was really odd, but I, you know, bones and all. Bones but and I all, yeah. like liked it. Like I, I remember leaving, being like, "What did I just watch?" Um, he's an interesting filmmaker, and I think he knows how to handle talent. So I'm excited for this cast, especially. Um, and again, Zendaya, I love anything she's in, so I'm excited to see her uh, given another leading role. See what she does with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I, the cast makes me very excited for this movie. Um, I'm a bit on the fence of like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not like super pumped to see it. I don't. It's not super high on my list of excited movies, but I feel like it's gonna be good. Uh, it's, it's got a great cast behind it. It's got a great team behind it. So I, I have high hopes for it. It's not super uh, high on my radar um, for movies that are coming out, but it does look really good, and I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see Zendaya in a role like this. It feels yeah. it feels a little bit more nefarious than anything I think she's done before, uh, which is exciting. Luca has the weirdest career. He's like horror. I'm gonna make a movie about the the most beautiful gay love story of all time, and then he's like, and then I'm gonna make uh, a movie about an evil dancing academy, and then I'm gonna make a movie about tennis. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, man, sure, do your thing. Um, again, this is one of those ones where I'm 
I'm more leaning on like the award season festival buzz for it than I am like my own actual anticipation for it. Uh, it's not particularly high on my list of anticipated movies, but everyone is saying you need to watch out for challengers. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Next one is the fall guy. Colt Seavers is a stuntman who left the business a year earlier to focus on both his physical and mental health. He's drafted back into service when the star of a mega-budget studio movie, which is being directed by his ex, goes missing. It stars Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt, and is directed by David Leach of John Wick and Bullet Train fame. Um, I, I should be more excited about this. This has all the pieces of something that I'm like really into, and, and yet I watched the trailer and I was like, eh, looks all right. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on it? I think that uh, I'm kind of excited for it because ever since I watched The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling, I love Ryan Gosling now in uh, like action movies in this kind of sense. And comedic roles, too. Yeah, this kind of comedic action where in this he is a stunt guy who does all these stunts, but it's with like padding and wires and all mm -hmm. this stuff. And we're going to see him uh, do it for real, you know, in that kind of sense, even though we'll still be with padding and wires in an actual stunt double. But... Um, I just I think he is very charming and I think that he will kind of bring the charm to this movie um, that otherwise like when I think about just the plot alone um, it doesn't sound that interesting to me but when you throw Ryan Gosling in there for me that's what really gets me so I'm, I'm excited for this one um, and yeah I just I, I'm excited to see him in another comedic action role mm. I agree it reminds me a lot of The Lost City with Channing Tatum and yeah. uh, Sandra Bullock. Mm -hmm. That's the vibe I get from it. And then also probably just because Emily Blunt's in it, it reminds me of like the the energy and like action of like Jungle Cruise for some reason. Right. Um, which I'm fine with. I mean, those are those are fine movies. I like I actually like Jungle Cruise more than I like The Lost City. Um, but they're fun and it's fun to watch some of those actors, you know after some serious roles and after some major high profile roles do something silly like this. Um, so as long as it's a good time, I'm in. And I think it's, you know, probably uh, uh, some family fair there um, or at mm -hmm. least like date night fair. Yeah, absolutely. Date night fair. I think is the vibe yeah. I'm getting from this one too. It's, or it seems like a great movie to just go see, you know, with like your, with your dad or with your, with your yeah. mom. Cause it's just like a perfect, like, you know, fun serviceable action movie. David Leach is kind of good at those. I remember I saw Bullet Train with with my uncle and my dad, and I was like, "This is a perfect like uncle and dad movie." Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm interested in it, but not particularly like holding out for it being anything anything crazy. I, I I think people are being way too harsh on Ryan Gosling right now. He's been taking a lot more like, you know, I guess you could lump them in as paycheck jobs, but I think what it actually is is. He's been like the Academy Award darling for like 15 years. And I think he just wants to have some fun with his career. Absolutely. Um, and everybody is like slandering and shaming him for, for doing movies like, like the fall guy. And I think we need to lay off a little bit. I think he's allowed to, to have a bit of a fun time at this point in his career. He's earned it. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is ghostbusters to frozen empire, which we've kind of already briefly touched on. Uh, when the discovery of an ancient artifact unleashes an evil force, Ghostbusters new and old must join forces to protect their home and save the world from a second ice age. Listen, this looks like the Avengers Endgame of the Ghostbusters movies. <laughs> and I'm I'm kind of all the way out on this one, to be honest, which really kind of breaks my heart because I actually did quite like Afterlife, which, Joe, as you had said, it, it was fine. But I did have a good time with it, and I thought they really channel, channeled that whole Steven Spielberg, Amblin kind of vibe to it. Yeah. In like the whole Stranger Things kind of vibe in a way that was exciting and new for the franchise. And it felt like a real 
breath of fresh air, regardless of all the false stuff that movie had. This feels like they pivoted the total opposite direction. They were like, all right, get everyone back from the original movies. And now they have to stop the apocalypse. Like they have to stop like an ice age. What are we doing? Um, this looks pretty stupid to me, to be honest with you. Um, Joe, how do you, how do you feel? I agree. I'll see it. Um, and hopefully uh, maybe they'll surprise me, but I, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sadly feels like they, it has fallen to like the nostalgia corner where they're like, Oh, they like the reboot. Let's bring all the old stuff back. But that's not why people liked the reboot. I think uh, like me personally, I loved the idea of it being a new generation. And then they were like, let's bring back the old generation. I was like, no, no, I was having fun with the other ones. So I think it needs a remake. Like yeah. if, if they're going to go forward with Ghostbusters, remake it based in today, like have the Ghostbusters. There's just so much about it that seems outdated. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I, I, it's sad to kind of see that happen. Like, like you said, I'll still go watch it. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I was excited for this movie. And then my excitement kind of fell off when I, realized how much they're trying to just go for that nostalgia again it, a- afterlife did that a little bit but it wasn't like disgusting it was or like insufferable tasteful, yeah know? it was like a, they're gonna bring back the main guys at the ending of the movie okay sure um and there was a lot of nostalgia riding in that one but it felt fresh enough to be like exciting the last 10 minutes of that movie were my favorite yeah because like, i just thought they handled it so respectfully agreed and i think that was because of the fact that the the son of the original film's director was was responsible for that last film and that is not the case for this one and you can tell that this one's just a studio being like people liked afterlife hurry up make another one um so i'm kind of all the way out on this i think the idea of like like they they've always been like fighting a couple ghosts in apartment buildings you know like what is with this whole like ice witch like like causing the apocalypse it looks well it silly. feels very much kind of like the like the second one when it everything kind of gets or like the end of the first one where mm. the ghosts get released um, and then they're kind of like going all over the city, but that feels like the entirety of the movie, yeah. you know? Um, I mean, the first Ghostbusters, when like the thing explodes and all the ghosts run around, it's like, whoa, it's crazy. Yeah. But then they very quickly get it done. This one seems like it's kind of just happening constantly, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. I think we're also in a time where like ghosts aren't as scary as they used to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the world's so fucked up that it's like, oh, ghosts, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like looking at this director, uh, what's his name, Gil Keenan, uh-huh. his his credits are Monster House, City of Ember, The Poltergeist reboot in 2015. Oh no! One episode of Scream the series <laughs> in 2016, yeah, and then A good. Boy Called Christmas in 2021. All right, I liked Monster House, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, That's it, it. Seems like he produced if um or he. No, he produced Ghostbusters Afterlife. He was the executive producer. Okay, so he got paid so. for it, and then for the next one, they were like, "Hey, you got paid on the last one. You want to do it? Come on in." Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Not 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 high hopes for this one. Mm-hmm. A couple more: Godzilla X Kong: The New Empire. The new installment in the MonsterVerse puts the mighty Kong and the fearsome Godzilla against the colossal deadly threat hidden within our world that threatens the existence of their species and our very own, as well as diving deep into the mysteries of Skull Island and beyond. That's just a very bloated uh, plot description for that, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's Godzilla and Kong. They're going to punch some things in the face, and it's going to be hopefully cool. Um, any Any thoughts or anticipations for this one? Any hype? Listen, Godzilla versus Kong is a guilty pleasure. Yeah, same. Maybe because it came out during the pandemic and we were like also starved for uh, content, but I will watch it to this day. I had so much fun with it. Uh, and 
yeah, I have a friend who anytime I'm like, hey, he's a big like cinephile criterion like you know collection all that stuff and i'll be like hey just saw uh caught a new film i think you like he goes oh you watch godzilla versus kong again that masterpiece um and he's like obsessed with it because it is that's the ultimate popcorn flick absolutely and it was so much fun so i'm like do that again i'm all in that movie knew what it was it was super stupid and it, it was delightful for it mm-hmm. um the cgi was also incredible you know like I, yeah. I don't feel like people talk about how great that movie looked like i remember yeah. we saw it in the theater and it was just it was super exciting um, the episode on the podcast we did for that movie is like total idiot brain mid mid pandemic. Like it is single brain cell, like stupid, <laughs> yeah. but that's what the movie is. You know, I think it, and I think it's understood that. And so I'm hoping that this, this new one, uh, really does continue to kind of lean into that a bit. Like, and it kind of seems like it because Godzilla and Kong are like teaming up like bros, you know, they're like running in like Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Sprinting in. Kong's running in with like the fucking infinity gauntlet on his arm there. Like what's, <laughs> what's going on? I'm here for it. So yeah, I'm awesome. big monkey and big lizard back again. <laughs> I'm here for it. It's, it's particularly funny to have just seen Godzilla minus one, um, and be like deeply moved to tears by it and like put it at like the top of my like year in review ranking. And then the next time I'm going to see Godzilla on the screen, he's got like, pink lasers now and i'm like all right sure all about it yeah go in expecting expecting it for what it is uh next movie is inside out 2 joe this was on your list and so i i actually didn't know this was coming out this year until you you pinned that down um joy sadness anger fear and disgust have been running a successful operation by all accounts however when anxiety shows up they aren't sure how to feel what what's got you so excited for this one well, first of all, anxiety being included is uh, phenomenal. Maya uh, Hawk, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm so excited for it. Um, I I think Inside Out is one of the best Disney movies in the past couple of years, past decades, so to speak. Um, I, I just really enjoy it. I think it's very smart. I think it's very mature. Uh, and I'm excited to see where they go with the next one. It's It sucks that Mindy Kaling and Bill Hader aren't back as the voices of their respective characters. Um, it seems like there was a money issue and, you know, whatever. Um, I did see Lewis Black uh, do stand-up. I took my dad last month and just thinking about him doing a Disney movie after listening to his stand-up, like having, knowing that he did Inside Out, but thinking about him like in a booth after he just told a joke yeah. about like really raunchy things is hilarious to me. Um, but no, I'm excited to see where they take the story. I thought they handled the first one very well. I think it's got one of the it's hard to rank like sad moments in Pixar movies, but you know, Bing Bong in the first one was just so like heart wrenching. That devastated um, me. I was not okay for the rest of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, and it just plays on so much of like I think we all could identify with parts of that movie, and that's really unique. And then you add an anxiety, which any teenager and most of the world deals with. Uh, I think they're going to be they're going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty good, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like having uh, the teenage emotions start to come in, everyone's experienced that. Everyone knows what that is. And the first one was so heartfelt. And so, yeah, I, I have, like, I, I know this is going to be a good movie, you know? Yeah, like, I'm excited. It's the recipe for a good movie. So, this is, this is Pixar, right? I, I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pixar, even when they have been on like a miss streak for some people, have, have never failed me. Like, I know you, you didn't like Lightyear. I didn't love Lightyear, but I didn't hate Lightyear. And that's kind of where I've been with a lot of the recent Pixar stuff. I was like, yeah, it's not like not their greatest stuff, but none of it's been like outright misses for me. Um, 
and I don't think an Inside Out 2 will be a miss. Like, I think this will be like, I think it'll lean into all the right things that people loved about the first film. It'll touch on even more emotions that are, that are people can connect with and that are relevant. And I think, like you said, the idea of bringing anxiety into this, uh, especially in the time that we are living in now where it feels like everybody is just struggling with intense anxiety, I think is, is a, a fun way to, to tie this into something that so many people can actually relate to. Yeah, and you know, with the exception of Lightyear, because that, and not because I didn't like it, but because it was based on previously established characters, mm-hmm. I think they know, like, even when they miss, like, I didn't love Soul, right? Mm-hmm. But the story Soul was telling was very original and very well done. Uh, Turning Red, a lot of people didn't love Turning Red, but I would argue that, like, that actually was a really good movie and it tackled a subject that for Disney was wild yeah. uh, to actually, you know, tackle that. But the they, they take unique approaches to stories that are accessible by everyone Mm -hmm. uh, or yeah, by everyone. Uh, So I I think that that's when they're at their best. And I'm hoping that they were able to, that they're able to capitalize on what they did well with inside out uh, and take that story one step further. Yep. Their movies always fill me with like this childlike sense of wonder that I don't think Mm -hmm. many other animation studios are able to, to stick the landing for as frequently as Pixar does. And so I I have high hopes for this as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, Next film is, the new Saw movie. Which number is it? Is it 11? <laughs> 11. 11. Okay, perfect. Uh, there's literally no details on this one yet other than it is coming out this year. Uh, I fear it'll be delayed because of the fast turnaround from the most recent one to to this, but you think you think they're going to get it out? Uh, Hayden, they used to come out every year at Halloween. You're right. It, what, what, was the, what was the saying? If, it, if it's Halloween it, or if it's... It's Saw. Yeah. Um, I So Saul has a special place in my heart because I just, I love, I have all these memories of going like when I was in college and stuff to see them with friends and like my roommates. And it was just always a good time. Even when they were shitty movies, mm-hmm. it was still fun to be like, oh God, like I'm right. not watching. <laughs> right. Um, and I will argue this to the day that I die. I think that the basis of the Saul movies is an incredible story. Uh, and it's funny because people are always like, oh, is that that torture porn movie? And I'm like, yeah, but if you know the, the story it's based on, like why John Kramer's doing this and the idea of, you know, teaching people the value of life through these things, like, of course, it's sadistic and crazy, but it is based in a grounded good story. Agreed. It's gotten out of control like any horror uh, uh, franchise does because they're cheap to make and they want to capitalize on it. I thought Spiral did a good job of telling it telling the story from a different angle or taking a different approach to a similar story. And then saw 10, I was actually very uh, pleasantly surprised with. I thought that it was a good solid return to its roots. Um, and John, and it took more time with John Kramer and Tobin Bell's John Kramer. And he's just phenomenal. I think he's like iconic in the horror uh, space yeah, uh, because of these movies. So I'm excited. I mean, I look, it's where are they going to take the story? Who the hell knows? Um, but I know that I'll be there and I know that I'll be excited to see it. I know that I'll watch half the movie because the rest of it, I'll be covering my eyes. so I don't <laughs> throw up. Um, but, uh, you know, keep keep making them till you know, forever. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the one thing that I really want of this movie, I want more John Kramer stories after yeah. after Saw 10. I was just like, holy fuck, they did it. They figured out that if you just make continue to make bottle Saw movies between the other Saw movies. Like mm-hmm. that is like, I feel the recipe for success, especially because I think they're aware that they killed John Kramer too early in that franchise. Oh, for sure. Um, I think it's the franchise's one fatal mistake is that they lose that character so early on and it feels like they spend the rest of the franchise trying to find ways to retcon that and bring him back in. And with the most recent one, 
that felt like the cheat code. It was like, okay, we can just make a sequel to Saw 10 and call it Saw 11, and it's actually set between Saw 2 and 3 or whatever. Um, I want I want Tobin Bell back for sure, and I think and it could be great if he is. I think with Mar- Detective Hoffman coming back, I think they have the avenue to do that, explore more about, like, how they came to be like you know there's there's still they exported a lot in what three and four but there's still space for them to to do like you know a training montage so to speak yeah. do more of like how he got him up to snuff uh I, I would love it i think the the most recent one really feels to me like uh one of the more interesting stories like morality wise of like what they've been doing which is like what if john kramer was faced with people who might be worse than him um, and I thought that was was so interesting and so engaging, and I would just like to see them do more stuff like Saw Ten. Well, Wesley, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off, but like the the thing that they did that I really liked about that was if you think about it, with the exception of the trap that he imagines um, in his head, the the traps didn't start until halfway through that movie, mm-hmm. and that's different for these types of movies. It gave it like more. They focused on the story more, and we spent more time with Tobin Bell, and that was just it was such a, a special direction for them to take. Uh, that made it feel fresh, even though it was the tenth film in the series. Right. No, you guys are more than to talk about this. I haven't watched a single Saw movie, and I don't care to. You what have, the? F- you haven't watched any of them? Not a single one. Wesley, I, I really just don't care about them. the franchise. Uh, <laughs> it's I'm in the I'm in the torture porn group. Who's like I I regardless of whatever. Uh, thing it is, I wa- I see clips on YouTube, and I'm like, ew, ew, ew. I don't know why anyone would ever watch this. There, so, Joe's right though. There really is like, especially uh, yes, the franchise loses a lot of steam, and it's in its second half. But those first four movies are like pretty fucking awesome stuff. Yeah. Sure. Um, but seeing as it, <laughs> seeing as we've hit eleven, you know, I I, I yeah. have no interest yeah. in catching up or anything. You know, maybe since uh ten and eleven have been set in between two and three or whatever, maybe I'll watch one, two, and then ten and eleven, whatever. I don't know. But no, see, that's a problem. You'll get it confused. <laughs> and that's why <laughs> for I'm, a lot of I reasons, just, <laughs> it's it's just never gonna happen for me. Sadly, I'm sorry. It's just uh. Not a franchise I'm interested in. I'm sure it's uh, for Saw fans. Like you guys seem really excited about it, and <laughs> I'm excited to hear that. But yeah, I I I've never watched one of the movies, and I don't really intend to. Wesley, you're yeah. lost. You don't get to watch with Joe and I a guy do surgery on his own brain. Oh yeah, oh, my loss. Damn. <laughs> Ouch. You know, we we talked about the X series from Ty West as like going to be looked at as modern horror classic, but I think back to like you know the the horror movies of like my father's generation and it was the nightmare on elm street halloween all of those and i think saul will be that in the future absolutely you know it's definitely like my like growing up like going to college like they're my memories of every halloween us going down to this like shitty movie theater uh and seeing saul and then me being terrified uh but it's yeah i love it for for better or worse they are iconic you know like there are things that are forgettable about that franchise that people will not discuss but what people love to ignore when they talk about the Saw franchise and be like, oh, there's so many. Have you ever heard of a little franchise called Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or Halloween? They are on like movie 13, 14, or 15. And like half of them are really bad, but the ones that are good are great. And Saul never went to space yet. Yeah. The 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 next one is like a, yeah, it's like an intergalactic space station and someone's recreating John Kramer's work. Mm -hmm. Oh God, that would be wonderful. (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm all for it. Uh, Saw 23 right there. (laughs) <laughs> count me in count me in i'll be on my deathbed and just be like let me tell you about john kramer <laughs> it was a great story 
Uh, next one is Lord of the Wing, Lord of the, Lord of the Wings, Lord of the Rings: War of the Rohirrim, a animated film set 261 years before the events of Fellowship of the Ring. The War of the Rohirrim tells the story of Helm Hammerhand, a legendary king of Rohan who must defend against an army of Dunlendings. He becomes the namesake for the stronghold of Helm's Deep. Wesley, this was one of the ones that you asked me to, to put in here. So what has you so excited about it? Because I actually don't know anything about it. Yeah, so this movie is going to be about uh, the riders of Rohirrim, or however you say that. Um, essentially, the guys that show up at like, the Helm's Deep battle, the, all the riders who show up on the other side when... Uh, everything's getting fucked up. Um, but um, <laughs> essentially, I'm just excited about this because we haven't gotten Lord of the Rings content in so long. Aside from the show, they did, uh, right? uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, but, like, uh, animated movie? Like, the last time they did those, those were, like, the bad rotoscoped, like, old ones or whatever. And so I was just excited about it because it's cool to see um, this franchise as much as it is kind of also playing that nostalgia of bringing back Lord of the Rings. This is a new story that we've never seen before that's happened way, way long ago and is digging a bit into the lore of Lord of the Rings. And I'm a huge uh, medieval fantasy fan, especially right now. Um, so when I heard that this animated movie is coming out, who knows if it's actually going to get released in this year because there's like very little news about it. And the release date's like December 13th. Um, so, I mean, I hope so, but... Yeah, I was just excited about the idea that we might be getting some more Lord of the Rings content, uh, which is such a, a such a like far removed thing in my mind of having Lord of the Rings movies coming out in theaters. So mm-hmm. I'm just excited for that, honestly. No, I'm I'm intrigued. I think the fact that they're putting it in theaters uh, says that they have a lot of confidence in it. It is anime, which I also think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I'm intrigued. We'll see. I I know nothing about it aside from it's animated. I hope that you know this is part of that new streak of like creatively animated, like high, highbrow, like animation, like, like across the spider verse and, and teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, just stuff that looks and feels a little bit more like unique than the average thing. And I hope it's better than the original attempt at animating Lord of the Rings from, from the eighties or nineties or whatever exactly. that was. I, yeah, I, I don't know if this is going to be good or not. I'm just excited with the fact that it's, that they uh, were able to get it out into theaters and yeah. that people were actually interested in, uh, making a film like this because it sounds pretty interesting. So the fact that it's going to theaters is is pretty promising stuff. It means yeah, it means absolutely. that there's some confidence behind behind the film and the quality of the film. So I, I am anticipating it. It's it'll be cool to see a Lord of the Rings movie from an animated perspective. I don't think we've gotten anything like that before. Yeah. Um, next one is Bad Boys Four. <laughs> this is one that Joe actually put on the list. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll put it down. Um, I I actually never saw Bad Boys Three. But I did see one and two, um, so I'll have to check out three before this comes out. But what has you so excited for it? So Bad Boys 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. I absolutely love that movie. I think it's so well done. And while the first one is solid, the second one is just it, – it's an example of them taking everything that worked and capitalizing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one I was nervous about because it was so far you know, removed from the first. But it was it was solid. It was like It actually was a good time which is why they're doing a fourth one because they're like, oh, it has legs. Now I'm worried about the fourth one because you can only like capitalize on the success so long. And of course, like with Will Smith's recent shit and yeah. um, there's only so many times that uh, Martin Lawrence's character can threaten to quit. Uh, but I, I'm excited. I mean, like they had a lot of good young cast in Bad Boys 3 too, Bad Boys 3 as well. 
Um, and I'm going to try to bring it up real quick to remind myself. Um, but like Vanessa Hutchins was in it. Um, Alexander Ludwig was in it Mm -hmm. and I thought he was phenomenal. Um, and I, I believe they're coming back for it. Charles Melton was in it. I was going to say, I thought Charles Melton was in it, by the way, snubbed at the Oscars, but anyway, absolutely snubbed. Yep. Um, but just a really solid cast aside from DJ Khaled. Uh, but (laughs) I, I, I'm excited. I mean, it's again, this falls into like, is it going to be good? I don't know. Do I want to have a good time with it? And am I expecting to? Yes. Has Will Smith had a movie since the whole incident? Yeah, that what was that one called? Emancipation. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I'll be I'll be really curious to see how this pulls people back to the theaters for him if if it will cuz yeah. he's been in full career recovery mode and I think this is the real test of like did that work? Did you did you recover it? Well, if Jada would stop like spilling all their secrets, I think uh, yeah. oh my God. he'd be okay. Every time she opens her mouth, I'm like, oh, Will, run. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> uh, I, I'm in- I'm interested in this. I'll have to get caught up on the third one. Um, and I didn't know this, again, I didn't know this was coming out this year, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to see I'm excited to see Will Smith again. I do like him, and I am rooting for him, despite the whole thing that happened with him. And and I, I'd be curious to see if he still has that star power that can, that can put asses in seats still. Yeah, I also haven't seen the third one yet, so I'll have to catch up too. But I, I did like the other two, and like, I, I'm kind of with you, Hayden, where I hope that this is kind of like this, the could be a starting point for him to kind of get back into Hollywood after all this mm-hmm. horrible, all these horrible things that are keep happening to him, uh, and hopefully that this will start the upturn of uh, his reputation in Hollywood at the moment. Yeah. Um. So that's it. That's for that's it for the movies that I feel are worth mentioning. There was also Gladiator too, but there's. So few plot details, yeah. and the only thing that has me excited for that is Paul Meskel as a lead lead role. Yeah. I, I just love him, and I think that'll be a big test role for him to see if he's capable of, of doing stuff like that. Um, but well, let's predict our biggest flop for the movie for the movie year. There's a bunch of movies that I didn't feel even worth mentioning just because there's already so much that we had to talk about. Um, Madam Web is one that like I think could be fun. I don't think it's going to be great, but I think it could be fun. And same with Craven, Craven the Hunter. I'm curious about these movies, but what do, what do we think is going to be the biggest flop out of either every movie we named on the list or, or something else? There's one that sticks out to me, and it just recently, I believe that it was supposed to go to streaming, and they just moved it to, uh, to theaters. I think it's coming out November 15th. Red One with oh, no. The Rock and mm-hmm. Chris Evans. I what it's a comedy action around Christmas and Santa JK Simmons is Santa Claus. And like what the, what is this? Dwayne Johnson was talking about how this is an attempt to re mythologize Christmas. And I'm like, I can't, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I, he needs to like, he needs to chill. He's um, uh he's in like, I need to rewire my career mode right now. He just signed on for an a 24 drama. He's in like, Holy I shit. People that. don't like me. <laughs> the face of his career. Yeah. Like stop doing movies like red one. I mean like, and Chris Evans too. I know that he's just playing around now because he's, you know, he's got his uh, Marvel money. Um, but that one, as well as um, while this pains me a lot, because I love this director, uh, which is a whole nother podcast, Rebel Moon Part Two. I am very concerned about because mm-hmm. I thought Part One really shit the bed. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, I I didn't even think about Red One. That that sounds awful. I'm so un- I'm so uninterested in that movie in, in every sense of the word. Yeah. I swear it was supposed to go to streaming because it's an Amazon movie. Yeah, I think but... it was supposed to as well. Yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. I uh, 
one that I just sounds so bad to me, and I I like this franchise a lot, and so it's upsetting to hear this. The Borderlands movie, mm-hmm. um, with Kevin Hart, uh, who's in it, and like, it's just it sounds so like. First off, I don't think there needs to be a movie made about that game. Like that game is about shooting maniacs in the face. Mm-hmm. Like it's supposed to be ridiculous and just a way for people to play a shooter where they can just have a crazy gun and whatever the story isn't that um like deep or anything and so i look at the cast and i i just think about the games and i'm like no one wanted this absolutely no one needs this and so why is it being made uh i think it's just gonna suck i feel like 10 years ago it would have been more welcomed yeah. but now it's like we've already seen so much like this and we Why already are we, doing it? we already have good like video game movies like mm-hmm. for example sonic the hedgehog 3 that's going to be coming out mm-hmm. like that's a great example of a uh, video game franchise that got turned into great movies and so like the bar is set even higher now um and i just think it's gonna flop so bad all right I... have you heard the rumor about who's potentially voicing shadow in uh, uh oh sonic 3 hayden oh. christensen yes uh-huh. i'm all in i'm into that yeah i'm <laughs> so here for it um wesley two things for you about the borderlands movie one is optimistic the other is not mm. the optimism in me is it's co-written by craig mazin who wrote the last of us so mm-hmm. he's he's proven that he can do a video game adaptation of damn good one borderlands is completely different source material um but i'm hopeful with him involved that that can lead to something the bad news is that Eli Roth is directing it. He has proven time after time he is only good in the horror sandbox. When he steps out of it, his movies are often not good. And Eli Roth left the project halfway through directing it so that he could direct Thanksgiving. Um, he got bored of his own movie, and he, and he left it, and he was like, all right, uh, I'm done with this one. Somebody else pick it up and finish it. Yeah. Wait, who did you say the guy from Last of Us? Craig Mazin. He's not credited on IMDb. Is he not? Oh, maybe he worked on an original draft or something that didn't actually. Uh, oh, which I think, because I remember you saying that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, who's he writing with? And I'm not seeing him, which is surprising. Apparently, Eli Roth came up with a story, and Joe Crombie, who was best known for Borderlands. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, and there's no nothing else. Yeah, I, I guys, the more we dig into it, the least, the less hopeful I get. Like, the fact that I had some hill. good news for you, and now the good news has turned into more bad news, <laughs> is uh, is not promising. You're like I've got good news and bad news. The good news is bad news. Yeah, <laughs> this cast though: Kevin Hart, Ariana Greenblatt, Kate Blanchett, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jack Black, Haley Bennett, Edgar Ramirez, Gina Gershon. Bobby Lee, Cheyenne Jackson. This is wild. I know, Bobby right? Lee. The cast is wild. Um, I it just. It doesn't make any sense to me. So I don't know. It's we'll see. Um, my pick for, for the biggest flops of the year are either one of the two Sony movies, which I think are going to really prove like the superhero fatigue is in full effect when it's just like money grab superhero stuff or Ghostbusters, the frozen empire. Yeah. I have, I have a real bad feeling about that one and I don't think it's going to have people showing up to the theater. So I feel comfortable saying any of those three could could be my biggest flop of the year for sure. Yeah, um, there was one other that I wanted to mention, and I can't remember what it was. So that's really helpful for all of us here. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something that I was like, "This is I don't even know why they're doing this." I'm trying to skim over my the list that I made. Yeah, there's a lot of things this year. Like we talked about Wicked as well. Like Wicked's definitely one of those ones that I'm like, 
I why are they making this? No one needs to make this. Like you can go watch this on Broadway right now, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's another example of just like some movies this year I look and I'm like, who who said yes to that? Yeah. Oh, this might be unpopular. Ballerina, the spin-off of John Wick. Yeah. Mm. I'm very worried about that because I feel like it's been in the works forever. I don't know that Anna de Armas can carry a movie. And I also think that John Wick works because it's Keanu Reeves and it's ridiculous that he continues to be alive and they're going to make John Wick five. Yeah. But mm. spinning it off. I mean, it didn't work for the continental series. I was going to say that the continental kind of bodes pretty well for people's interest in the ballerina or pretty yeah, bad. I, sorry. Pretty bad for people's interest in ballerina. Exactly. So I'm worried about that one a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't have good feelings about that one either. That's a movie that every time it gets brought up, nobody seems to care. It's just like, Oh, no. Uh, I guess we're, we have another John Wick movie that doesn't have John Wick, but apparently he's in it, so we'll, we will have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess really quickly to wrap up this episode, I wanted to do our most anticipated because we just went through everything. I just wanted to do a quick <sighs> quick five of like movies that we feel are, are that we're very excited for. So I'll start, and I'll just kind of rapid fire through it so we can, we can do it quickly. Number five for me is Nosferatu. I know we talked about hesitancy towards it, and I hear it, but Robert Eggers, I just have to hang on to the hope that it's, that it's worth being excited for, for Robert Eggers. Um, so number five, Nosferatu. Number four, Deadpool 3. Number three, Maxine. Number two, Mickey 17. And number one is Dune Part 2. Wesley, how about you? Yeah, I have I have very similar ones, but in different positions. My number five is the Lord of the Rings movie, just because I'm excited for that. I know there's very little uh, being said about it, but I'm just excited to see that back in theaters. Uh, my number four is Maxine. Um, number three is Dune Part Two. Number two is Deadpool Three, um, and number one is Mickey Seventeen. I'm nice. just that movie sounds so cool. To yeah, me. it does. Yeah. How about you, Joe? So I don't know that I can put them in order right now, but one that we haven't mentioned that I'll throw out there is Argyle. Yeah. Uh, the Matthew Vaughn movie. I'm really excited about that because I just feel like it's going to be twisty and fun. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one. That's next week, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Nice. Actually. Yeah, that does yeah. look fun. Look, looking forward to that. Um, Abigail, I'd put on there. Civil War, I'd put on there. Deadpool 3, I'd put on there. And Dune Part 2. Nice. Nice. All consensus of Dune Part 2. Very excited. Yeah, I think I think everyone's rooting for that to be like the, the movie that makes this movie year worth enduring. The Absolutely. whole joke around 2024 online is that it's a filler year to get us to 2025, which seems already pretty stacked. Well, I think that about covers it. I think 2024 is looking to be something that we're all a little bit more concerned about, but there's still there's still stuff to be excited for. Mm-hmm. Joe, thank you so much for joining us and for finally, we finally made this happen. We finally got to have you on the dive in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk movies with you guys. And, uh, you know, hopefully the year turns out better than we're expecting. I know. I, I hope that there's reason for us to turn it around. I, I hope halfway through the year I'm messaging you and I was like, we were all wrong. Erase the pod. Yeah, we were, we were wrong. wrong. <laughs> It's always fun messaging with you, Hayden, because like the they come out like sometimes we were like, oh, did you see this? Yeah, 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 whatever. And then like all of us strangers the other night were like, oh, let's go in on it. You know? Yeah. I had to pick your brain on it because I saw that movie and just like b- both the people I saw it with did not like it at all. Um, and so I was like on day three thinking about it and I was like, am I crazy? And then I remember you loved it and I was like, I have to pick your brain on it a little bit. So, yeah, sometimes I'll just randomly be like oh i hated this and then other times i'll be like all right let's analyze the deeper deeper (laughs) meanings of this film yep 
Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's about everything we've got to say. So thank you everyone so much for listening. Uh, if you want to check out our other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at the Diving Movie Cast and TikTok at the Diving Movie Cast, as well as our individual Instagrams. I'm at Wesley Giffen. I am at Hayden Kutris, and it is the same name on our letterbox. And Joe, did you want to plug all, all your socials as well? Absolutely. Just hit guyatthemovies.com and there's links to all of it. Uh, and that's also where you'll find the works of all the great contributors to the site. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks and for having hopefully me. our uh, 2024 year of movies is better than we expect. I've got my fingers crossed as we speak right now. 